Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you will, take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to uh, Proverbs. We're going to be reading Proverbs 24, verses 30 and 32 through 32 in just a moment. We're continuing our Wednesday evening series, The Seven Deadly Sins. The Seven Deadly Sins. Tonight's message is titled, The Seriousness of Sloth. Raul Ralton of Consett, England, has the infamy of being dubbed the world's laziest person. Not that there's an exact measure to prove that claim, but his legal troubles certainly provide clear proof that he is a top contender for the title. In December of 2009, Ralton was reported to the authorities by a cyclist who saw him walking his dog by driving his car slowly and holding the leash out the window. Ralton admitted that his unusual method of exercising the dog was a silly thing to do and that yes it was because he was lazy so he pled guilty to a charge of not being in proper control of a vehicle he was fined 96 pounds and ordered not to drive for the next six months the world's laziest man now now that really is the height of laziness if you can't even walk your dog but did you know that laziness is one of the seven deadly sins As we've said, the seven deadly sins are a list of sins that have been identified by church leaders through the centuries as particularly dangerous for the people of God. We're not talking about people in the world. We're talking about the people of God. Sins that are particularly dangerous for the people of God. And even though this list does not appear as such in the Bible, the individual sins are independently condemned in Scripture. And as we said, the list includes pride, envy, anger, laziness, greed, gluttony, and lust. And actually, in the original list, laziness is called sloth. That's why I, I titled the message The Seriousness of Sloth. Of course, when, <coughs> excuse me, when I hear the word sloth, it makes me think of a furry creature with long nails that moves ever so slowly. Y'all know what a sloth is, right? So that word is not something that that we are familiar with other than that image in our present-day vernacular. But why would laziness be a deadly sin? And who among us is not guilty at some times of just not wanting to get out of bed or hitting the snooze button multiple times? or mindlessly sitting in an easy chair and watching TV for hours, especially perilous nowadays when you can binge your favorite series, amen? So you can just sit there sometimes for days. I've heard of people sitting for days binging their series. They won't get up to bathe. They won't get up to to use the bath because they're just so engrossed in in watching their series. Or, Or who of us is not guilty of taking a lazy Sunday afternoon nap? And what's so wrong with that, we say? (laughs) Sunday afternoon nap every day. (laughs) One author writes, of all the deadly sins, surely sloth is the lightweight. I mean, sloth, he says? Seriously? A deadly sin? He goes on to say, when it comes to the other six deadly sins, we get it. 
We know that the Bible says pride goes before the fall. We know that anger can lead to violence. We know lust destroys from the inside out. We know that envy is what put Jesus on the cross. We even get that gluttony can be dangerous because it can lead to premature death. But seriously, he says, has anyone ever died from taking it easy? He writes, I'm pretty sure the coroner's report never reads, cause of death, too many naps. He said, sloth may not get you to the top of the ladder, but why is it so bad? The, the fact that we don't think sloth is a big deal is precisely the reason that it can be so dangerous. It is often referred to as the neglected sin. And there are many warnings against sloth or laziness in Scripture, but this evening I want us to turn to the words of the wisdom writer in Proverbs 24, verses 32 32. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard. Now, in this particular version, the New International Version, it uses the word sluggard. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. So he's saying, you know, I really stopped and reflected on what I was seeing, and it taught me something important about life. All right. So the wisdom writer here calls the, the lazy person a sluggard. And even the word sluggard is such an ugly sounding word, isn't it? It, it has a very negative connotation. After all, what is a slug? It, it, it's this slimy little creepy crawly that slithers along the ground. Have you ever seen a slug? It really kind of gross, you know? But one commentator writes, the word sluggard means one who is naturally or habitually slow, lazy, or idle, one who is disinclined to work or to exert themselves in any manner. Disinclined to work or exert themselves in any manner. The word is actually used 14 times in the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is such an important book because it is practical wisdom for daily living. That's what Proverbs is all about. And, and, and so, for instance, the Bible tells us that the lazy person is going to starve for hunger, but the person who hard, works hard, they will prosper. The man who folds his hands, he's going to go to poverty, the Bible says. When you fold your hand, you're not doing anything, right? So there's warning after warning against uh, 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 the, the impacts of laziness. And in every instance in the book of Proverbs where the word sluggard is used, the scripture condemns laziness and warns of the consequences of being a sluggard or lazy person. Proverbs describes the sluggard as one who sleeps too much. Uh-oh. They are an irritation to their employer, it says in, in Proverbs 10, 26. Proverbs 22, 13 says they find any excuse not to do what they need to do. They have a lot of dreams and desires, but they never fulfill them because they never take action. They're too lazy. It tells us that they're long on talk, but short on action in Proverbs 14, 23. Have you ever met somebody like that? They can talk, 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 but then they never, you know, put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. They never take any action. Uh, Proverbs 18, 9 says they are masters that procrastinate procrastinating, putting something off. How many of you procrastinate? Don't answer out loud. Amen. Proverbs 21, 17 tells us that they love pleasure rather than work. 
and they'll end up in poverty. So they love having fun rather than working and they're gonna end up in poverty. So you see all of these warnings against the, the, the results, the consequences of laziness. And, and as you heard uh, these descriptions of the lazy person, did it describe anybody you know? Because I think we all know someone like that or perhaps we're like that. <clears throat> Not anyone here. But Solomon doesn't mince words saying that the sluggard has no sense. Basically the sluggard is dumb. He's a fool. Though he would think himself wise, wiser than everybody else that's hardworking. They look at the hardworking person and they're saying, look, that's a fool. When in fact, the person who is not working, they're the fool. The problem with sloth is that it's an attitude that pervades every area of a person's life. If you're lazy in one area, then you're gonna be lazy in other areas in your life as well. You might be thinking right now, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm a busy, hardworking, high-achieving person. However, you might just be surprised. Sloth is not merely physical laziness, even though that's a part of it, but it also has spiritual ramifications. It's not just an offense of wasting time. It's not just a sin against fulfilling our potential in life or a sin against ourselves in failing to accomplish or obtain all that we can and all that we deserve. But it is listed among the seven deadly sins for a good reason. Because properly understood, sloth is a sin against God with serious spiritual implications. Like the wisdom writer who said he learned a lesson when he walked past the overgrown field of a lazy person. God wants us to learn the lesson of the seriousness of the sin of sloth. And the first thing I want us to see is that sloth is the sin of spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy causes us to neglect what is vitally important to neglect what is vitally important. In Proverbs 24, 30, the wisdom writer passed by the neglected vineyard of a lazy person and saw that it was overgrown with weeds and thorns. Now, the neglected vineyard is a graphic image of something of high priority in our life that has been neglected. Because <clears throat> in that day, it was an agricultural society and a person's vineyard was their main source of livelihood, right? So to allow your vineyard to go untended was to neglect one of the most important things in your life, the means of making a living, your livelihood. In scripture, however, a vineyard is something much more than just your livelihood. A vineyard or a field was often used in scripture as a symbol. In the Old Testament, it was a symbol of the people of Israel, God's people. In Matthew 20, Jesus told a parable where the church is depicted as the vineyard of God. And we're all familiar with John 15, where he talks about the vines and the branches, right? The vine and the branches. And in that, in that vine analogy, it is a symbol of our personal spiritual life. So the sluggard neglects his vineyard and that image is a symbol of the sin of the spiritual apathy of God's people. Are you following me? 
okay? The Latin word used for sloth in the original list of the seven deadly sins is derived from the Greek word Acadia, and it means lack of care, lack of care. There's no parallel English word, so it kind of loses its meaning in translation. And for that reason, Acadia has been deemed the least understood of the seven deadly sins. But Acadia has been described as a state of despondency and dejection that results in a, a listlessness or apathy that causes a person to neglect to take care of something that they need to do or that they should do. It refers to much more than physical laziness, but to spiritual apathy, complacency, and indifference. It is what is depicted in the Laodicean church that was lukewarm. He said, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm, and because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my now outwardly they were busy with a lot of religious activity if you read in that passage in, in Revelation 3 outwardly they were a prosperous church the Bible tells us that they were very rich and increased with goods they had everything they wanted and they were satisfied with that outward expression of what seemed to be wealth and blessing but they didn't realize their spiritual poverty. He said, but you don't realize that you are, you are naked and you are hungry and you are poor. They didn't recognize their emptiness before God. So you can be spiritually apathetic or lukewarm and still going to church and even maybe serving in ministry. But in your heart, you are empty. You have lost your passion for God. And you don't even realize it because the lukewarm church of Laodicea did not recognize that they were hungry and naked and poor. Jesus was not even inside of the Laodicean church. Do you remember where Jesus was in relation to the Laodicean church? He was outside the door knocking for them to open the door and invite him inside. The church, he was outside the church, and the door was locked so that he couldn't come in. So apparently, this church didn't even realize his presence was no longer among them because they were satisfied with the symbols of external material blessing. Do you know it's possible for the Spirit to depart from us and we not know it? It happened in the Old Testament to one of the high priests of Israel and to the nation of Israel. If you remember, it was during the time of Samuel where God gave him a message, Ichabod, the glory has departed. The presence of God had departed from Israel. And they didn't even know it. It took the, Samuel, the prophet Samuel to come and tell them. So Jesus had nothing good to say about the Laodicean church. And even more tragic is that the Laodicean church represents more than 95% of churches today that are lukewarm. And just listen to these facts. 10% of all church members cannot be found. 30% never attend church. These are church members. Hello? 
We're not talking about Joe Blow on the street. These are church members, 30%. Now, these numbers were pre-COVID. So that number would be much higher now as many have gotten disconnected from church completely and others have grown comfortable just watching church online. So one report that I read recently after COVID says that an additional 16% have stopped attending church. So if 30% never attend and an additional 16% have stopped, that's 46% of church members that never attend church. That's almost one out of two. Tell me that that's not the Laodicean church. Come on now, it's awful quiet in here. Let's, let's read some more facts. 40% of church members never give. 70% never give to missions. 20% never pray. 80% have never attended a prayer meeting. <clears throat> 90% never have family worship in their home, and 95% have never even won one person to Christ. Tell me that that's not spiritual apathy. There are blaring signs of lukewarmness, of spiritual indifference. Thankfully, you know, we have a lot of people here that have a heart for God, that have a heart for prayer. Not all, but a lot. Have a heart for evangelism. But you know what? There's some of us that need to be shaken out of spiritual apathy and lukewarmness as well. Amen? The image of the Lord vomiting the lukewarm out of his mouth is a powerful image that speaks of the rejection of God. I know we don't like messages like this we like glory hallelujah messages the god bless me god make me a, a millionaire god give me a miracle praise god amen but you know what this is just as much the word of god and we need to hear it we need to hear it this the, the fact that god vomits the lukewarm out of his mouth it, it speaks of the seriousness of the sin of sloth or spiritual apathy that causes us to neglect what is most important, our relationship with God, and we become satisfied with lesser things. So the question that we stop and reflect on, like the man who stopped at the overgrown vineyard, is this question, have you neglected the Lord lately? Have you neglected his word, prayer, the church, fellowship with other believers? I think something that's interesting is that in one of those reports that I read, the largest drop-off in attendance post-COVID were long-term church members, 50 and above, yeah. while younger people who wanted nothing to do with the church are starting to come back to the church. Those who were in the church for a long time have gotten lazy. Yeah. None of us here, none in new life, amen. I'm just talking about some other church somewhere. Hallelujah. Have we allowed spiritual apathy, spiritual laziness to creep into our life unawares and take over? It's time to start paying attention to and diligently devote ourselves to seek the Lord, to serve the Lord again. Sloth, or Acadia, has been called the noonday devil by ancient desert monks. 
We can somewhat identify with this due to the extreme heat here in South Florida. In the middle of the day, being outside just for a little time can really drain you of energy, can't you? Can it? A couple months ago, I had to go out and, 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 and cut some bush in my yard, but it was during that stretch of extreme heat. So I went out as early as I could in the morning, but already by the time I walked out the door, it was like it just hit me in the face, you know. And I was out there working for about two hours. I was soaking wet, and I came to a point where I started to feel nauseous and dizzy, and I felt I am going to pass out. And I had to run to my garage, put down my tools, go inside, drink water, sit in front of a, a, a fan and an air conditioning vent and recoup my energy. So we know how that sun can just drain uh, your energy and you can feel worn out so that you don't want to do anything else. But one scholar explains that the desert monks took their main midday meal at three o'clock in the afternoon. And at noon, the monk sitting in his cell began to get hungry. And because of his hunger, he started to get distracted from his prayers. And his mind would wander and be led astray by what they call the noonday devil or the noonday demon. And in that wondering, surely he wondered, what is the use of all of this holy effort anyway? I'm starving myself, and I can't even concentrate on praying. This is why sloth, or Acadia, was called the noonday devil, and was also referred to as the demon of distraction. And we normally expect the devil to work in darkness, but the danger of sloth is that it comes to us in the middle of the day or in full light, in full light. The noonday devil or the demon of distraction speaks of a special type of distraction that causes us to focus on the trivial and unimportant above the spiritual. Like a monk's stomach rumbling distracts him from praying and seeking the Lord. Focusing on the trivial that keeps us from the important. Our focus on the trivial causes our mind to wonder, questioning, is it really worth all this effort to serve the Lord? So we begin to become careless in our walk with the Lord, devoting less time and energy to the things of God and becoming more preoccupied with the things of the world. So let's stop at this overgrown vineyard and let's reflect and learn a lesson. Let's ask ourselves the question, have you lost interest in the things of God? Has their importance diminished in the use of your time and energy? Has your passion grown cold? And what is it that is distracting you from your love and devotion to God? It's time to start tending the vineyard of our soul again. Now, the second thing I want us to look at is that sloth has several char characteristics. As I said, sloth is called the noonday devil because it slowly sneaks up on you in the middle of a thing, in the middle of a thing. Proverbs 24, 31, again, it says, thorns had come up everywhere and the vineyard had become overgrown with weeds. The implication is that at one time, the vineyard had been tended for. At one time, the, in, the, the vineyard had been kept. But at some point, the owner lost interest and stopped taking care of his vineyard. 
One Bible scholar writes that in Dante's Inferno, which is a classic piece of literature, um, he talks about the seven circles of hell. I don't know if you've ever, okay. So he wisely places sloth in the middle of his purgatory. Of course, Dante had a lot of Catholic influence, so of course, uh, you know, he believed in purgatory. So anyway, he placed it in the middle of purgatory, halfway up the mountain or halfway down, depending on how you look at it. He said, it is in the middle of the day, the middle of life, that dangerous middle point when we've been on our way and we're halfway there, but not nearly there yet. Sometime between noon and three, the same hours that Jesus hung on the cross, the same hours, uh, the same time of the afternoon when middle-aged King David woke up from his nap and spied the beautiful Bathsheba. It is at that middle moment that sloth gets a hold of us. Sloth is that sin that is midway between all the things that drag us down in the human life and all our attempts to strive to grow in God, that demon just jumps out at us at noon, at the midpoint. Just think about it. At the end of a thing, when we see the fruit of our labors and the finish line is in view, we can see what we desire to accomplish. We kind of get a second wind, right? And we continue through. We're pressing to the end. When you can see the finish line, you get that second when you press. At the beginning of a thing, we are usually excited. We're filled with passion and we're fueled by expectation. So we've got a lot of energy, right? So we start to work at it. And we're really giving it all that we have, but maybe the progress doesn't come as quickly or as easily as we anticipated. And the work with time becomes tedious for a lack of advancement or a lack of fruitfulness. And so we begin to become kind of discouraged, kind of despondent. Remember, one of the meanings of the word akedia or sloth is despondency that our labors are in vain, that what we hope to accomplish is not getting done. And so we are saddened and we lose motivation to continue on. This happens in life, right? You start hitting your, your 40s, and you look back, and you're like, I haven't accomplished the things that I wanted to accomplish in life. You start getting into your late 50s, and you're like, I don't know if I'll ever accomplish the things. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Why? Because you're at the midpoint, yeah. right? And, and so that discouragement, that sadness, that lack of motivation comes in. And that speaks of what happens in the middle of our spiritual journey as well. At the beginning of your spiritual life, when you first get saved, you are on fire for God. We are awed by God's love. We're amazed by his grace. We are filled with love for him and other people. We just want to tell everybody about Jesus and what he has done in our life. We want to be in church all the time. We want to get involved in ministry. But over time, what can happen? We lose that passion. We cool down. It doesn't have to happen, but it can happen. We cool down. We become lukewarm. We lose interest and motivation. And we are like the church of Ephesus that lost its first love. 
So I ask you to stop at this man's overgrown vineyard. Reflect and learn a lesson. Has this happened to you? You started out on fire for God, wanting to, to, to learn, wanting to grow, wanting to be involved in ministry, wanting to tell people about Jesus, just loving God with all your heart. But over time, have you grown cold? If so, it's time to repent and return to our first love. Another characteristic of sloth, sloth results in fruitlessness. The scripture says in Proverbs that thorns and weeds had overgrown the vineyard. You don't hear about any grapes growing in the vineyard, right? Thorns and weeds had overgrown. And this happened over time. And over time, the weeds can choke out the fruit-bearing plants. In the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke about how certain seeds fell on thorny ground. And they started to grow, but soon the thorns or the weeds, which represent the cares of life, he said, they grew up and choked out the good seed. Have you ever noticed in your lawn how much quicker the weeds grow than the grass? I mean, you know, the grass is like this in a week and the weeds are like this. You know, they they just outpace and, and you don't really have to do anything to make the weeds grow. You have to do stuff to make the grass grow or to make the plants you want grow. You have to cultivate them. You have to fertilize them. But the weeds, they they just grow and they'll take over if you don't do anything to stop them. And that can happen in our life as well. Thorns and weeds are the result of inaction and neglect. And like I said, if you have a garden, you know that weeds can grow very quickly on their own. And before you know it, They take over your whole garden. You have to work hard to keep them out of your garden. It doesn't take any effort for our life to be overtaken by worldliness and by the concerns of this world and to be distracted, but it takes diligent effort and care to keep growing spiritually and to remain spiritually passionate. An unattended life rarely yields good fruit. And in the parable of the vine and the branches, Jesus tells us that he expects us to bear good fruit. And any branch that is fruitless will eventually be cut off and burned. So fruitlessness, he tells us in that parable, is a result of not remaining connected to the vine, which is Jesus. And it results in being cast in the fire. So we have to give careful attention to ourselves that we remain vitally connected to Jesus, the vine. So I ask you the question, are you bearing fruit? What exactly is the fruit that God is looking for? The fruit of Christ-like character. Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Or the same character flaws that you had 10 years ago or 15 years ago, are they still just as glaring in your life? Has there been no change? So the fruit of Christ-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faith, self-control, have those grown in in your life? You know, before your patience was this much, And maybe now at least it's this much? You know, is it growing in your life? 
the fruit of good works. What works are you doing to serve the Lord? Are you growing in your work for the Lord? The fruit of using your gifts and abilities to build his church and advance his kingdom. What are you doing to help build his church? The fruit of souls being one for the kingdom of God. How many people have you led to the Lord in the last year? Are you bearing fruit? If not, then you might be guilty of the deadly sin of sloth or spiritual apathy. And we need to repent and do again our first works. Sloth also results in the lack of spiritual defenses, which opens you up to the work of darkness. Looking again at Proverbs 24, 31, it says the stone wall that surrounded this vineyard, the stone wall was in ruins. Now walls or fences serve as protection to keep predators or enemies that could come in and destroy the vine. Because little small foxes like to come into vineyards and they would gnaw at at the trunk. And just chewing away at the trunk ended up killing the whole vine. So what they did was they would build walls around the vineyard to keep out predators. But this man had so neglected his vineyard that even this protective wall was in ruins. So sloth or laziness allowed the defenses of the vineyard to be broken down and left the vineyard vulnerable to intrusion of animals that would eat and destroy the vine. Spiritual apathy or indifference, which is the lack of prayer, the lack of reading the word, the lack of being under spiritual leadership, being under uh, solid teaching of godly pastors, being in godly relationships in the church, the lack of these things breaks down our spiritual walls of protection and opens us up to the attack of the enemy. Spiritual apathy breaks down our spiritual defenses and leaves us vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And this is why it is so important for us that if we recognize our spiritual indifference, that we repent of it and we return again to the practices that keep us spiritually built up and defended against the enemy. That comes to our Third point, sloth can be conquered. If you are in that place, it is not hopeless. First, we need to recognize the signs of spiritual apathy, which is what we have been talking about throughout this message. Have you lost your passion for God? Have you become lukewarm? Have you lost interest in in praying and reading the word and going to church and fellowshipping with other believers and witnessing and doing the work of the Lord? Are you spending less and less time seeking God? Have you become distracted by the trivial things of this world? Have you become satisfied with where you are and you are not seeking to go deeper in God? If, if, if you can answer those questions, you will recognize whether or not you have become spiritually indifferent or spiritually lazy. So recognize the signs of spiritual apathy. The second step is repent of spiritual apathy. Recognize that spiritual apathy, complacence, indifference, lukewarmness, loss of interest and passion in spiritual things is a sin. 
When Jesus rebuked the Ephesian church for losing their first love, he called them to repent. That means the loss of our first love for God is a sin we have to repent of. Repent means to recognize that it's sin and to make a U-turn. I recognize I'm heading in the wrong direction. I'm going in a dangerous direction, moving away from God, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord, and I make a U-turn and change my direction. And then the third thing we need to do is remove the overgrowth. Just like that vineyard had been overgrown by weeds, you have to remove the overgrowth in our life. We need to remove whatever distractions, whatever cares that we have allowed to grow up in our lives that are choking out our spiritual life and passion. And then fourthly and finally, reset our priorities. Recommit to seek first the kingdom of God and to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Make that recommitment tonight. So let's ask the Lord tonight to help us recognize whether or not we have allowed the sin of, of sloth, the sin of spiritual apathy to creep into our life. And if so, let us be quick to repent and let us take action to root out of our lives the things that have pulled us away and caused our love for God to grow cold and let us recommit to make him first in our life and our love. If that's your heart's desire, take a moment to bow your heads and pray. Pray these things in your life. Heavenly Father, we just stop at this man's overgrown vineyard and we hear your voice speaking to us. Help us to recognize if our spiritual life has become overgrown by the weeds of distraction and apathy because of our spiritual laziness. Father, show us if we are guilty of this sin. And Lord, when you show it to us, may we humbly and readily repent and say, Lord, I recognize that you are speaking to me. I'm heading in the wrong direction. I'm heading in a dangerous direction away from you. I ask you to forgive me and help me to turn around and get back to that place where I used to be with you and move on beyond that. Lord, help us to root out of our life anything that is distracting us, anything that is choking out our love and our devotion for you, anything that is causing our heart to grow lukewarm. Help us to take bold action to remove it from our life. And Father, today, we recommit ourselves to hold you as the first priority in our life, to seek you first above all else, and to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We are asking you to revive us spiritually, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954 516 1522 
That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.